Uh, we're continuing our David Cornfield article supplement of what makes the kingdom of God visible. All we're studying is looking at, uh, we're using the article as like a supplement to go into various topics of how does the kingdom come into reality, into the material world? How do we see it? How do we see fruit of the kingdom? How do we see the produce? Uh, you know, we're instantly starting off that, you know, fighting against pietism, that the kingdom of God, that Christianity, that heaven is just some like far off, distant idea uh, that we're just living for the afterlife and it's all, it doesn't affect how we live now, it doesn't affect my decisions now, it doesn't affect how we worship or what we do with our money or how we do church. Uh, you know, and getting away from those ideas and getting towards the biblical patterns of the kingdom of God manifesting or becoming incarnate or uh, producing fruit. So, uh, the kind of next topic on the article is worship. So, uh, let's go, Daniel. If you just read that uh, paragraph on worship, and then we'll, I'll kind of explain it a little bit. All right. The kingdom of God is made visible in our worship. Can you see worshiping people? There is little that will so demonstrate our love and allegiance for the king as when we set aside all else to focus our thoughts in loving adoration of him. The corporate worship of the church as we gather regularly at the throne of the king is the high point of the individual believer's entire life of worship. Created to glorify and enjoy the king forever, the first priority of the king's people is to worship him. John 4, 23, 24. Yeah. So if I were to just throw out there, like, when we think of worship, what's the first thing we think of? Friday night fellowship. Friday night fellowship. Singing, right? Praying. Playing music. Praying, right? But what is, let's just, we're not going to go into all this, uh, but according from, from Scripture, what is worship? Lifting God's name up. Okay. Go. When it comes to, when it comes to, what is that? When it comes to worship. Yeah. Right, like glorifying God. Right, like in what? Like, is it just in singing? Yeah, it touches every single aspect of our lives. Everything we do is an act of worship, right? How we giving everything unto the pleasure of pleasing God because we want to do what is pleasing to Him, but not just you know on Sundays or Fridays or whatever we do it in everything. Right. So we're not going to go into like, you know, the whole generalized field of worship, but just know that, you know, is it Romans 12? You know, it says that, uh, uh, do not be conformed, this will be transformed uh, by the renewing of your, your minds. Uh, something, something. Yeah. Or maybe it's the, I think I did verse two, but uh, by the mercies of God, submit your bodies as living sacrifices, which is your spiritual worship or the king james says reasonable worship so to live your life as a living sacrifice is your worship to god everything you do right but we're not going to touch on that uh just know that you know how you work at your job is a form of worship how you treat your wife or your girlfriend or your mom or your dad or your dog for that matter you know is a form of is a form of worship right mm -hmm. worship is just you know, giving something worth or value. Uh, and everything we do should reflect that. But we're not going to talk about that aspect. We're going to talk about physically about uh, patterns of worship in, you know, what we would classically or primarily think of worship is like singing, mm -hmm. singing songs.
So, um, you know, although we're not going through, you know, we're kind of diverting from the study we were going through previously of rediscovering and restoring biblical Christianity, looking at the patterns biblically and then uh, looking at and rediscovering what are they. Welcome. Uh, not just figuring out what are the patterns of worship, but then how do we re-implement them and what's a more holistic, scriptural view of those topics. So we did like the Bible, and how important the Bible and scripture is, the church, you know, various topics. Uh, so has anybody, like, I just wonder, this is just kind of like a, my own kind of like little experiment. How many people have like studied like how worship, singing, the singing aspects should look, you know, in the Bible? Has anybody like studied it, even the slightest bit? Morgan has. I Yeah, there's definitely like mandates to, you know, especially in the Psalms, like, uh, you know, like phrases like make a joyful noise, sing a song, praise the Lord, worship the Lord. Those, especially in the Psalms, because Psalms are just songs written down, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit that we get to read a whole 150 of them, um, of pretty much just songs, right? So there's songs about singing to the Lord, <laughs> you know, which is awesome. So obviously, you know, every, uh, so it's built into the hearts and spirits of every human being that's made in the image of God, which is every single one of us, of worship, right? But even, you know, just in the, not talking about the general sense of like, well, how everything we do is worship, but, you know, as far as like music, right? Has anybody ever like met somebody before and... Like, you know, when you get to know somebody, the question pops up like, oh, what kind of music do you listen to? That's like a kind of, you know, standard thing uh, or somewhat standard. It's usually like, hey, what do you, where do you work? What do you do for fun? Uh, what's your family life like? What kind, what kind of music do you listen to? Like that comes up pretty regularly, right? Because I could judge somebody. I know, you know, someone's theology and how deep of a Christian they are. If they like country music or not. Because hey. hey. <laughs> no self-respecting Christian would listen to country music. Scratch this off the record. Uh, uh, no, you know, uh, you know, but like, you know, it kind of tells you can tell somebody by what you know what kind of music they listen to. But it's like kind of a standard question because, uh, at least in America, because we have a diversity, and you can tell a little bit about someone. But everybody likes music. There's, you know, I personally, like, growing up, like, my friends were really into music and knew the artists and could play and everything. And I wasn't that into music. I didn't know, like, uh, the song names or the artists. But everybody enjoys listening to music. That's why, like, over 95% of the radio stations are just dedicated to music, right? When you have to listen to something in the car, you know, they're not playing audiobooks on the radio. <laughs> they're playing songs, right? So, um, so what we hope to accomplish today is just examining the biblical patterns and the mandates of worship. We're going to look at examples and didactic scriptures about what we should do in worship to get a better biblical idea of what worship should look like. Um, then we're going to examine why don't we worship biblically, and we're going to look at the partial solution, or at least one aspect of the solution, because the, the solution is... Can, is, and we're just examining one part of it, but 
the solution is going to end up just being, you know, crucify your flesh, live biblically, don't do what you want to do, do what God wants to do, and do it from the innermost beings of your heart all the time, perfectly. So, uh, but let's look at um, biblical patterns uh, of worship. Before we get into that, uh, let's read, um, let's go to, keep going to the left. Teresa, can you read that first set of verses, John 4, 23 and 24? Uh, we're going to have a lot of scriptures today. And then, uh, Sydney, can you read that? Joshua twenty four fourteen and John Luke, the next one, Hebrews twelve twenty eight. All right, so there's a couple things we can draw out of that. Uh, one of my favorite things is to, like, you know, when I'm meeting with people is to help people start to develop, like, because uh, it's not that common unless you have like a really good schooling or a really good upbringing to learn how to read actively. So what's the first? Read the first sentence. Just seeking such people to worship. Yeah. So what's the first thing we can infer through what Jesus is saying? Something's happening soon. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that has to do with Jesus' ministry, but about... Worship is in spirit and truth. Before that sentence, before... That sometimes worship is not true. Not true. There's, there's false worshipers, <laughs> right? Uh, he says when they're true worshipers, that means uh, there's false worshipers, right? That you could. So who? Well, let's go back. Who has studied biblically what worship should look like in Scripture? So how do you know a little bit? A little bit. Maybe everybody, like to some degree, if you've read through the Psalms, you know, knows something. So there could be a uh, potential if you haven't studied it out. That we're worshiping falsely, right? Yeah. Or at the very least, that uh, we're not worshiping according to God's standards, and we're not, you know, on a, you know, what's even maybe more scary, uh, is that we're not on a path that would actually gear towards more biblical, God honoring and exalting true worship, and then we're stuck in, uh, you know, if we don't seek the things out, which is why we study Scripture so much and emphasize it is uh, just for that reason. We start basing it, we're going to look at, you know, this is more towards like why we don't worship biblically, but, you know, uh, I haven't been part of like a fellowship that is like that close to biblical worship most of the time. <laughs> Ever. As like, you know, and as I was like reading this today or studying, I was like, oh my God, we're so far away. <laughs> like crying out like, Lord, help us. Uh, you said worship in it, like they use musical instruments, like symbols. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. You know, so he's saying worship in spirit and truth. So okay, so let's go. So we establish that there could be true worship. There's true worshipers, and then there's false worshipers, which would have to mean that there's false worshipers. Mm -hmm. So and then he says the true. They say the true worshipers will worship in spirit, or just those who will worship worship in spirit and truth. Says when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Okay, so the true worshipers are worshiping in spirit and truth. Mm -hmm. Right. What does that mean? Uh, the false worshipers aren't worshiping in spirit and truth. Right. Well, what does it mean? Uh, so we established that true worship is through spirit and truth, right? So, what is worshiping in spirit? It's worship as well. Right. Yeah. So, what do we talk about? Like when we talk about. Uh, God's law. Is it good enough to just obey the law externally? No. No. Yes. No. Uh, I wish. Well, even if that was true, I would still not be in a good 
in a good situation. <laughs> even if it wasn't even God's law, it was just the American government's law. I'm still not. So speed cameras. <laughs> I'm still just on two. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would be too. I would be too. So, uh, so worshiping in spirit, like it's not, you know, it's not good enough to just go to a worship meeting and sing the songs, right? Like your attitude, your motivations, your whole deep, your, you know, consecration, your consecration, whether you're set apart, whether, right, your attitude. So worship. So that's worshiping in spirit, right? That puts us on the right path. The true worshipers will worship in spirit. What does it mean to worship in truth? Just really, in that scenario, you are God. Yeah. Well, that's more of like, so I've got listed on here the object, attitude, and action. Like true worship and spirit and truth is the right object, right? You can't be worshiping the wrong God. Right. That, that doesn't work out too well, right? Uh, you can totally have the right attitudes and uh, the right action, but the wrong object. Right, the object of your worship really does matter. That's the focal point, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's not like I hope that's not groundbreaking for people or or new. Uh, you, although you know we live in a in a world of relativism where uh, the world would say it doesn't matter as long as you believe in something, as long as you worship something. Um, you know, uh, I was talking with Kenny last night. We had a conversation of like, how do you know? God's character. How do you know you're worshiping the real God? How do you know you're worshiping the right God? Well, is it based on scripture or is it based on my experience or my feelings or whatever? Right? So you have to have the right object. Then, you know, spirit is the attitude, but also, you know, God mandates, like in scripture, how he wants to be worshiped. Like, you can't just do it any old way. Right? That's a major theme. that we do in the Rediscovering and Restoring Biblical Christianity series, and it's on here somewhere. Uh, I think it's First Chronicles 13 and 15 of which we'll get. In. These scriptures come up, you know, several times in a in this study. Uh, we'll actually read them here in a minute. Um, of you know, the whole reason Uzzah got struck down is because he didn't worship God, uh, and he put his hand out on onto the cart that held the ark or onto the ark, which was being carried by the cart, and God struck him down and killed him. Mm-hmm. Right. And Even in the Old Testament, when they set up like the temple and everything, God appointed singers and played instruments and right. things like that. Yeah, there's a whole temple system we look at throughout you know, Exodus uh, 33 through 40. Uh, this is how you're going to worship me. This is what you're going to do. If you don't do it right, you get... Killed while you're in the holy holies. Right. Who was it? Uh, which one of Aaron's sons got got killed? Two of them. Two of them. Yeah. I think they did like a proper. Yeah. I thought they were they eating the sacrifice. Strange. They offered up. <laughs> they offered up strange fire. So. Right. Wasn't there also like. Uh, what was his name? Like Ezekiel or something? His son's died. And... Oh, uh, Eli? Yeah, it was Eli's son yeah. with uh, Hopney yeah, and some. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it all has to align. Like, to worship the true worshipers, Jesus said, worships in spirit 
and truth. The right object, the right attitude, and the right actions. You can't just worship any old way, right? So uh, that was Jesus with the woman at the well talking about, you know, the time is coming and is now here. So let's look at Joshua twenty four fourteen. It's a very similar passage. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Yeah, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Or, you know, you have to like actually worship him in action, wow. you know, and throughout your right right heart motives and everything. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord ESV. Yeah. So John Luke, uh, hit us with that, Hebrews 12, 28, as well. Okay, this is NASB. Therefore, since we, with reverence and honor. Yeah, that says, a, is that the NASB? Yes. Uh, yeah, ESV, most of the stuff I look up here might be a little off or might have a little bit different uh, kind of parlance and wording. Uh, so the ESV <laughs> says acceptable worship, acceptable service, right? Just like I think it was we were looking at Dan the... King James on Romans uh, 12.1 said living, uh, what it, reasonable, your reasonable worship versus your uh, reasonable service. It's just reasonable. We can do more, but that's just a start. Yeah. So there is, I'm just building that to say that there's like, an, there's acceptable worship, there's acceptable service to the Lord, and there's not, right? Uh, and... Uh, we'll get into it a little bit more when we get into why we don't worship biblically. But so I just want to build the present, you know, the uh, or the pretense of like, you know, the right object, the right attitude, the right action, um, the right actions. So Psalm eighty six twelve says that you worship with all your heart. When was the last time you guys felt like you worshiped with all your heart, and there was no improper motives, and there was not a single. Uh, second where you were distracted or thought about like you know Sam's guitar or what you're going to eat for dinner later or what you ate for dinner or what you're going to do afterwards right like like so when the Lord like you know so I'd say like you know when we're worshiping we're physically worshiping even though our whole lives is you know supposed to be worship like the pinnacle the most incarnate outcome of that is like when we actually sing and make songs, right? That's why we, you know, switch Thursdays to be like, you know, 75% singing and worshiping and like 25% discussion because we talk for like two hours on Tuesdays. <laughs> people are tired of people talking, <laughs> you know? Uh, so Sam Wante, can you grab uh, Mark 7, 6 through 7? And then Sam Shinpoon, can you grab uh, that Psalm 29.1? We're going to have to reading like a lot of scriptures tonight. Uh, once we get down to the mandates in worship, most of it will be in Psalms, so it will be pretty easy to hopefully go a little faster. Yeah, so, uh, you know, what I want to draw out of that is uh, you could worship the Lord in vain. You could totally be like, you know, worshiping the Lord and it's useless. That he's not receiving glory. That, uh, you know, it's not benefiting the Lord. He's not receiving it. Uh, and you're wasting your time. That's either because you have the, you're not worshiping the Lord. You've either uh, conjured up, you know, some idea in your head of who God is. And you're worshiping the wrong God. Which is, uh, would be the foursome 
foremost problem, uh, or you've got the wrong attitude. You know, I've been in a worship service where I didn't really want to be there, and I was angry, and I was like, this is BS, and I'm, I'd rather go home and <laughs> do something else. Uh, I probably wasn't, like, you know, honoring the Lord that much in my attitude or in my spirit, uh, which led to, led to wrong, like, physical actions. Uh, you know, didn't really care, right? So I probably was, you know, I've been in times in worship services where uh, my heart was far from the Lord, and I probably uh, was very vain in my worship and, you know, wasting my time in the Lord's time and far from him. Uh, probably all of the worship services I was part of, you know, for the 25 years I was a nominal Christian, <laughs> you know? So, um, and, you know, that was, that's uh, Christ quoting Isaiah, right? All right, so, Sam, can you read Psalm 29.1? It might be 1 and 2. Yeah. How many people uh, think that they have ever worshipped the Lord with the glory due his name? That is owed to the eternal creator of the universe who created everything by the power of his word and upholds everything in his being uh, and is continually faithful and merciful and true and just, who is the source of all truth and wisdom and morality. Does anybody think seconds? for even two seconds? It's not possible. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't think anybody has uh, worshipped the Lord and given him the glory that is due, that is owed to him. That's not possible. I don't think uh, as finite people it's possible. Maybe it might Jesus be possible did. in heaven. Jesus did. Probably Jesus. <laughs> I think you would have to say Jesus. Exactly. I'm betting on it. <laughs> I'm betting on Jesus. He's so, the only human that ever did. Uh, Jonathan, can you grab um, 2 Samuel 7, 26 and read that as soon as you get it? So I just want to set this one more precedent before we move on. Like, you know, that psalm, just let me know when you got it and we'll read it. But uh, 7, 26, that last one in the examining biblical patterns on the, on the list. Uh, but, you know, like it also the same quote out of Psalm 98, 8, like the glory, like think about like, like when you read that, Psalm 29 is a huge psalm, right? It's all about like, you know, the, the word of the Lord makes the deer give birth. It quakes the earth, right? It, it, it breaks down the, the, the oaks of whatever they're called, you know, they're... Sharon. Yeah, Sharon or whatever, right? Uh, like, it's a very famous, uh, you know, psalm. But it's like, think about it, like, when we read it, we just kind of gloss over but like, think about the glory due God's name. That's how we're supposed to worship him. That's the worship he's owed and we're due and we're called to. So we're all falling a little short of that. <laughs> all right, you got that Second Samuel passage? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so he makes that... You know, those other verses that talk about magnifying the Lord, but, you know, all worship, you know, what one of the, uh, you know, mindsets we should have going into worship is all about, like, if we think about, like, the glory due God's name and we think about who God is 
And even if we go into, because there's multiple psalms that then go to what he's done, right? Like a lot of the psalms uh, and the, the prayers talk about how great and mighty is the Lord and his hand is stretched out all over all the earth and his faithfulness is forever and he's saved us out of Egypt and done all these things, right? So if we actually like think about like the glory to his name and who he is in character and in deed and in you know, action in our lives, like the sense is we could never actually, I don't think any of us have ever correctly perceived exactly how big God is. Yeah, totally. And it's all working in conjunction to magnify the Lord, get our, our view of God bigger, right? That's what we should be experiencing in worship. All right, so let's just look at some basic, uh, some things in Scripture. Let's just look at sometimes some worship meetings in Scripture, and then we'll go into like what we have to do in worship. So we're not going to read all of these, just the ones that are in bold. Uh, Lord, do you want to read that Ezra passage? The Ezra three ten through thirteen, and then Bradbury, can you read that Revelation nineteen? Yeah, uh, if you want to grab like the nineteen and the four and the five, they're kind of all making the same point, or I'm kind of making the same point. Then uh, Jane, can you do First Chronicles thirteen eight and First Chronicles fifteen twenty five through twenty nine, and then Abigail, the last one, Acts two eleven and thirteen. That last one's my favorite one. Actually, the Ezra one might be my favorite one, but the Acts one is going to be my favorite point. <laughs> it's because I thought they were drunk. <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> Go ahead, whenever, you're, whenever you got that. Yeah. So how many people have wept during worship? I have. <laughs> right? How many people have shouted for joy during worship? I have, right? How many people have been in a worship meeting that the sound of the worshipers, because it's so loud, could be heard from far away? Couple, right? But that's the more, so that's the worship meeting that uh, it was so loud, right? That's, you know, uh, we often experience, you know, individually, like, you know, uh, weeping or shouts of joy and exclamation, uh, which is great. That's, I love it. Uh, but are our worship meetings mimicking this where, like, are we getting, I don't know if there's, there probably is noise violations we could violate on Sunday mornings. But, yeah. Do people even hear us next door on Sunday mornings? I don't know. I can barely hear us. Like, I stepped outside for a second, Right. So, or on, you know, here on Thursdays, which is even more dynamic, and Fridays at Friday Night Fellowship, you know, for our, you know, uh, group, or is that, does that indicate, you know, what our worship is like? Do we say, oh, yeah, like, Ezra didn't even know what they were talking about as far as worship. We're only, really loud. The only time it was bad was when we were right next door to class. Yeah, okay, so we did, <laughs> yeah, we did, we do, we, we could get, get credit yelled at once. We did get uh, complained on for being too loud. But we should be louder, or we could be louder. All right, so you guys see that? Like, so let's look at you know just the things that stick out to me. There are also they're singing responsively, right? Uh, I think that's I can't remember exactly. It's like the Lord is 
talking about his faithfulness, the Lord's steadfast love and faithfulness, I think, was in the passage, right? It's like the worship leaders are singing it, and then they're singing it, and then we're singing it, and then they're singing it, right? Cymbals, loud gongs, people weeping so loud, right? All right, uh, Revelation 19, 1 through 5, and if you want to do that, that 4 and 5, if you want to. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Amen. Yeah. So there's one thing I was going to draw out that let's see who's listening actively uh, or actively listening. There's one thing uh, that the elders did. You get to answer last, Bradbury, because you read it. Uh, what did the elders do in every instance? Fell down. Prostrate. Fell down, right? They fell down. Laid prostrate. Fell down. Uh, all 24 of them, right? Everybody. And there's myriads and myriads of angels and the other living creatures uh, shouting loudly and right and worshiping, but that's what all the elders did. They laid prostrate. Right? When was the last time we were in a meeting that uh, or a worship meeting that like most people were like laying on the ground, just like strung out on God's presence, uh, and like just like I just gotta lay down. Like this is too much. This is too much God for me. I'm gonna lay down. You know, some people would call it you know being washed out in the spirit or. Uh, you know, some people just take a, a posture of laying prostrate, which we, which is a biblical, you know, of, of multiple people who came into the presence of the Lord, right? When was the last time we saw, like, a powerful meeting in our midst so much that, like, a lot of people were just like, we're going to lay this one, we're going to lay down and, uh, or, or kneel or anything, right? We probably get, like, a couple people, you know, and maybe on Thursdays and Fridays that are, like, kneeling, but... You know, for the most part, like most people just like stand there and sometimes raise their hands, right? Sometimes sing a little bit louder so their neighbor could hear them, <laughs> right? So, because uh, the first in Revelation 19, they're yelling, Amen and Hallelujah. So, uh, we'll probably bring out like, um, this might be a, I'll bring it out, I think I'm in the next part. So, who knows what Hallelujah means? Like what the word means. Praise. Uh, that's the first part. It means praise Yahweh, doesn't it? Yeah, praise Yahweh or praise you, Yahweh. It's like an exclamation of like, I can't hold it in anymore, right? Like, it's not like, ah, oh, praise you, Yahweh. It's like, praise you, Yahweh! <laughs> like he's flipping tables and like, I can't hold it anymore. Like this is way too exciting. Amen, hallelujah, he's living forever. This is like the greatest thing ever, Right? So it's not like, you know, how we sing like hallelujah in one of our songs or something. It's like, you know, we sing because it's part of the word. So we sing it kind of, you know, mundanely or we just sing hallelujah, right? But that's not how the scriptures ever use the word hallelujah, right? Everyone's just like, they can't contain it. They're yelling at the top of their lungs. Uh, it's like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I can't even like fathom some words. So I'm just going to say praise God. Like, like I can't even like think clear enough to, like form a whole sentence. Just praise God, <laughs> right? So this is probably one of my favorite ones uh, besides that Ezra. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we're on First Chronicles. So this isn't my favorite one. So Jane, let's read those First Chronicles. Uh, So with all their might, everything they had, they were worshiping the Lord, right? 
So to put this in context, this is when they went. Uh, we're going to examine it further because they're kind of wasting their worship to some degree. They were celebrating because uh, the ark was coming back. They had gotten the carpet. They were bringing it on an ark, right? This is right before Uzzah gets struck down. Uh, so their uh, object was right, their attitude was right, but their action wasn't right. <laughs> but they were worshiping with all their might, right? Everything they had, super celebratory. All right, now 15. Yeah, I just wanted to read that last part because Macau was not the greatest wife. Despised, despised her husband because he was celebrating, giving thanks to the Lord. But like that was after you know, uh, you know, David didn't have or Israel didn't have the right action. They didn't examine the scriptures, so they're worshiping and happy, but they weren't. It wasn't pleasing to the Lord. They weren't doing it correctly, right? They had the right attitudes but not the right outward, outward forms of, of worship or action. Uh, and they actually, you know, Uzzah gets judged for it. And after examining the scriptures, they come back and they're still celebrating and doing the same things. They're still shouting with joy, dancing, right? Presumably even more because now they're actually doing it correctly. They're actually having like, like Levites and they're consecrated and they're holy, set apart, and they're actually going to bring the ark, right? So, all right. Abigail, read that Acts 2, just uh, verses 11 and 13. They're filled with new wine. We can't be here. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that was Peter's response. So somebody give a little bit of context of what's going on just in here. Why are they magnifying the Lord or telling the mighty deeds? The apostles just got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they're just wanting to... They can't hold in. They want to tell everybody about it. Yeah, the day of Pentecost came. Uh, the Holy Spirit came with signs and wonders, earthquake, tongues of fire. They were speaking in various tongues. And uh, it was a worship service. They were praising God. They were magnifying the Lord, right? So, uh, so much so that uh, people thought they were drunk. So, uh, here's just a kind of funny, we'll just put people to the test here. Uh, how many people have been in a worship service where they thought everybody was drunk? First time I came to this church. Okay, there's one or two. How many people have been in a party where everybody was drunk? <laughs> I think some of you guys are not raising your hands. <laughs> when I know where you've been. <laughs> right? So, uh, isn't that a little bit uh, indicative of like... <laughs> You know, where we are at, like, our worship is really, really sub-biblical. Like, when we look at the patterns in worship, uh, you know, from the Ezra, that Revelations passage, the Chronicles, singing, dancing, loud, vibrant, dynamic, people falling down and weeping, shouting, exclamation, raising their hands, other people hating people because they're worshiping. <laughs> Uh, people thinking they're drunk, like that's the kind of worship that we see over and over in Scripture. And there's, you know, go back to the other things happen. You know, those Acts, Joshua, more Acts, uh, more Second Chronicles. You know, there's no like I've never seen as much as I've read the Bible, which isn't too terrible much. But as far as I can read through it, I haven't seen any times in worship and scripture that looked anything like 
the kind of low, kind of not dynamic American worship that we have. <laughs> so we got a lot of areas to grow, right? So we need to know how we need to grow in order to get there. And um, in Africa and South America, places like that, the dynamic worship is totally different. Oh, yeah. I've never been, but I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny because I was just thinking of. Yeah, especially in a Baptist church. Uh, you know, my experience is no dictation of reality, but, uh, you know, I came from a, a background of, you know, churches kind of like that where, like, you weren't allowed to, not that you weren't allowed to, but it was very frowned upon and you were kind of like looked at kind of weird if you raised your hands or if you clapped or if you sung too loud. It was like very, like, very, very dry. All right, so let's just look at uh, some things, although those examples gave us a lot of clues about what our worship should look like, right? And hopefully if everyone's like in love with God and wanting to get a deeper sense of reality and worship God more uh, with the glory that's due his name, these are the things that we have to examine in our own private worship, you know, that we do individually, but also corporately, uh, that we need to grow in, Right? So this Bible study wouldn't make any sense if we just looked at it and said, like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I know all about what biblical worship looks like. Oh, but I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> right? We can't only be uh, hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So, uh, Dan, can, we're just going to read some of these. So I'll just kind of throw them out there. So obviously there's a mandate for singing, but let's just look at it. Uh, just that bold one, Psalm 104, 33. And then... Uh, Ken, you got a Bible on your phone? Can you look at uh, Psalm, the next one for shouting, Psalm 33, 1? Uh, and then, Kyle, can you get Matthew 29, or I'm sorry, 21, 9? And then Morgan, Psalm 47, 1. Psalm 105, 33, King James. Oh, no, 104, 33. 104, 33, okay. I will sing it to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to Yeah, so uh, that's just kind of a good example. All these say, like, I'm going to sing to the Lord. Like, the Lord desires us to sing. He wants us to make songs. He wants us to make beautiful melodies. He wants us to do a lot more. But uh, if you didn't know, singing is biblical. <laughs> right? Josiah's, like, totally blown away. Like, what? Because of heretic. I'm getting out of here. So... Uh, but let's look at, you know, what should we have in our worship meetings? What should they look like uh, besides the patterns? So, uh, Kenny, let's read that Psalm 33, 1. Godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Uh, no? Um, I think in, what are you reading, the Revised Standard? Yeah. So my ESV says, shout for joy in the Lord, or make a joyful noise, right? So uh, Kyle, Matthew 20, what do we do, 21.9? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there, there should be one more line. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. It, it had a little notation I thought it was 
Shout to God with loud songs of joy. So uh, let's go back to that Matthew passage. Who knows what Hosanna means? Salvation in the highest. Salvation in the highest, pretty much. It's like it's a loud exclamation. It's just like hallelujah. It's another form of like, I don't know what to say, so Hosanna! <laughs> right? And so what's the context of uh, the Matthew 21? What's happening? Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the king. Right, he's, he's riding in on a donkey. They're laying, it's Palm Sunday, right? Laying palm branches down. Uh, and so the Pharisees rebuke him, right? Or rebuke the Christ and the disciples. And then does anybody know Jesus' response? Bird of vipers? Uh, no. That was, uh, although um, John the Baptist responded with brood of vipers and said something similar to what Jesus says. Does he call them like low-blushed walls? Is that that part? Or is that something else? No, he says, uh, if they didn't worship me, the rocks will cry out. Right? Then say the rocks will respectfully sing monotonely and respectfully he says they will cry out right like if you don't like regularly uh, experience the presence of the Lord where you can't contain yourself I think that's a problem I think that's uh, you're missing out on something on whether it's experiencing the presence of the Lord or uh, or I think something is holding you up so one way to look at this is look at the, you know, this is the fruit of what it means to, like, magnify the Lord, have biblical worship. Uh, you know, if you don't enjoy singing, that's, a pro- that's actually a problem. That's, like, that's a problem to examine yourself and say, why don't I enjoy singing? Because the Lord enjoys it. Right? If I don't ever, like, what's that? Yeah. At least to the Lord, you know. Uh, you know, I was actually... Uh, I don't think anybody was here, or maybe someone was here with me. You know, I was uh, at a friend's house uh, over the weekend, and uh, we were hanging out, and uh, these people were, like, singing, like, like loved singing these, like, weird hippie songs. <laughs> and I don't know what they were. It was, like, some kind of secular songs. Uh, and the, the couple was, like, you know, taken away. You know, maybe they had some other influence or something. But, uh, but you know, that they love, like, everybody loves singing. Like, everybody sings songs. Right? So if you like singing songs in the car, and you like uh, singing songs to your kids, and you don't like singing to the Lord, that's, that's a problem, right? Does everybody get that? Uh, so, same thing with, like, shouting. Like, this is just like, I just pulled out four verses. You know, the Revelation pulls that out. The Ezra pulls that out. Uh, Acts, you know, examples we use. Chronicles, um, you know, of like, it's very, very regular in Scripture for, you know, to be shouting loudly. The Lord just doesn't enjoy singing. He loves loud singing. Very, very loud. probably, <laughs> out of the mouths of babes, right? And it doesn't say it's just like, you know, like the Matthew is like more of like an exclamation of like, I can't hold it anymore. But the uh, Psalm 47, it just says, shout to the Lord, right? Sometimes I just like, you know, I experience the presence of the Lord more in individual worship than I do corporately, 
most of the time and like my worship in my room by myself looks way different than I do on Thursdays or Fridays or, or whenever you know, I worship, uh, which we'll kind of examine of, of why. But, you know, when you're like, what does your worship look like privately? Right. So start there and then kind of move corporately. If you don't worship privately, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a huge problem. All right, let's move on. Lifting hands. Uh, uh, I want to do another experiment. Uh, who like who has ever eaten pizza? Weirdo. Right. This is it's actually not hard to lift your hands. Abigail, do you like pizza? A little higher. Okay. They, no, keep it up. There you go. You too? You guys like pizza? Well, I want to see. I don't want to. I don't want to know your answer by your words. I want to know your hands. Lourdes, do you like pizza? A little bit. Okay. So everybody could actually like lift their hands, right? Uh, usually, most people put their hands up pretty quickly when I said, "Do you like pizza?" Right? People are like, "I don't like this Bible study, but I like pizza." <laughs> uh, but for some reason, uh, I don't think it's an ignorance thing. Uh, but for some reason. You know, we're going to look at you know some scriptures of where it, you know mandates us in worship to lift our hands. That's a proper response to do this. Does anybody think this? Is, it'd be really weird if I just stood here like this. Dan's all about it, and uh, <laughs> you know, but like for some reason, like we get this you know in worship. You know, it's actually kind of surprising to me. Uh, we've got a song that we do kind of regularly where, you know, it's like a responsive song, like um, where. It gives us things to do, like, you know, it says, I will kneel before the Lord, and nobody kneels down. <laughs> and there's one song we sing, I wish I could remember what it was, where it says, like, you know, I will lift my hands to your holy name. And, like, I see, like, two people lifting their hands. I'm just like, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's kind of actually ironic. It shows us, like, how detract we are from biblical worship, uh, you know, of, like, you know, and, and wanting to, like, follow the Lord in his patterns of worship when even the song says like I will lift my hands and you're just li-. like we have to something internally has to say I'm not going to lift my hands I'm going to sing it but I'm not going to do it we're Americans if we're told to do something we always want to twist up the room the other way well, right. we're not thinking about the lyrics at all well I hope we are <laughs> I, hope I hope we are so let's look at this uh, where do we leave out um, uh, Kyle are we on you no oh no so Austin, uh, can you just read all of those? Psalm twenty-eight two is that pretty? Yeah, that's fine. Because we're pretty much just going to be in Psalms the rest of the time. Yeah. These are songs about songs, about what we do in worship. Psalm twenty-eight two, hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Yep, lifting up hands towards the sanctuary, towards the. Tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, right? Psalm 134, 2. Actually, I'm skipping the 63, 4. I'll come okay, yeah, that's, go for it. Um, so I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. Yeah, ooh, there's another one. Lift up your hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> Psalm 134, 2. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Ooh. Uh, lift up your hands to the holy place. Yeah, it's not like you know if you feel it, uh, 
you know, we're, this is, we're going to kind of intermingle, intermingle why we don't worship biblically, but like, it doesn't say like, if you feel it, lift your hands. If you feel it, shout for the Lord. If you feel like singing, sing. It just says like, I will do it. <laughs> right? Uh, whether you, doesn't say, because uh, I like it, right? Um, all right, kneeling. This is an acceptable and mandated form of worship. Josiah, can you get Psalm 95 6? Psalm 95.6, ESV. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the, make, the Lord our Maker. Yeah. Uh, so kneeling, like it's all over Scripture. And the patterns, people falling down, lying prostrate, kneeling, right? Actually, uh, most of the times that I could find, or at least the ones that jumped out in the English versions, when it's talking about worshiping, like literally it's... Uh, when you worship, this is the first and foremost, like, physical way to worship. When it says they worshiped the golden calf, it was they were kneeling and bowing down. Like, that's the first and foremost uh, posture for worship, is kneeling. What's the first and foremost posture for worship in, in our church? Sitting. Sit, sitting. <laughs> you know, I used to, like, I don't understand how people could, like, sit during worship. <laughs> like, there's, I mean, there's people out there that do that, and uh, only if I have a sore back. Right. That's like if I come straight from work, I'll sometimes do it if I'm just feeling really tired. But if I don't like brace back, I have to. Yeah, work. I try not even sit while I'm worshiping in my car and driving. Okay. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> well, you've been no, driving. That's like when I don't. I try not to pray with my eyes open. Right. So when I'm praying while I'm driving, do you close your eyes? My yeah. So pray tell how, how do you stand up while you're worshiping in your car? I'll show. I'll, I'll show you. Uh, so what's our normal uh, posture of worship in? I'm not saying in American Christianity. I'm saying in our church. In coffee cup. Coffee cup. Coffee cup in one hand like this. Yeah, and standing, right? Standing. It's not very exciting. It's not very. Uh, ecstatic, it's not kneeling, you know, that's not how we spend most of our time worshiping, it's on our feet, uh, just kind of standing there, right, it's sometimes. like respectful and maybe dutiful, just standing, everybody else is standing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, respectfully, uh, how, towards who? I guess the congregation more <laughs> so than anything else, <laughs> right. the worship leader. Yeah, it's not necessarily, uh, I mean, you might have a posture of respect for God, but definitely, you know, the elders in Revelation, the people in Acts 2, the apostles and disciples, uh, David and Chronicles and, and Ezra and all the people in, in that Ezra passage weren't standing respectfully, you know, in, in air quotes. They were, <laughs> they were letting go. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't care, right? All right, falling prostrate. Let's just read, because you know, we saw that in the Revelation 19. Um, you know, prostrate is like laying on your face, right? I'm not talking about... There's, I know people do, like, lay down and worship and take a nap, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, uh, so let's just read that Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, 9.18. This is in the ESV. Then I lay prostrate before the Lord as before, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed. In doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. 
Yeah. So does anybody know the, so who is this? Moses. Moses. How long did he lay on the ground face down? 40 days. 40 days. <laughs> Whoa. And he fasted and didn't drink anything. Yeah, that's what it said. <laughs> right? So, John Luke, you got a little bit of work to do. So, uh, you might, you might want to ask for 40, 41 days off of work and just lay down, face down, and not drink or eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> like we all, like our levels of worship could probably go up a couple notches if we, uh, you know, we're not even on the areas of like fasting or whatever, but. Uh, if we don't ever like fall down out of the presence of the Lord and meet Him, I think we're living sub and acting out subbiblical worship, <laughs> right? All right, uh, we're gonna go back to Psalm forty-seven one. This will probably be the only one we read here. No, Teresa. Okay. Um, clap your hands on peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. So, Sam, could you insist me on something? Yes. Wow, you guys could do it. <laughs> Sam, you guys are, you guys are just rebellious. Uh, right? What? Ha- like, how many people clap that much during worship? I know John Luke does. <laughs> right? Like, but doesn't it say like clap your hands. Uh, if you feel like it, it says it doesn't clap even your say clap rhythmically. It just yeah, clap. we're not even like most of you guys are safe because it doesn't say you have to clap in rhythm and well, <laughs> right? It just says clap your hands, all you people, right? It doesn't say clap your hands if you feel like it, right? Uh, so, every almost everybody clapped when. We got the slow clap going, but uh, what about worship? <laughs> like, I'm not saying do a do a slow clap during worship. <laughs> I'm saying like, you know, do we clap? Do we make noise? Are we excited? Do we like get out of our comfort zone enough to obey the Lord and do what He says? Clap your hands, all you people. <laughs> you people. <laughs> what do you mean, you, you people? people. <laughs> all pe- all you people. <laughs> Right. Let's take that off the recording. <laughs> All right. So this this isn't like you know. I hope this isn't groundbreaking, but musical instruments. What? <laughs> Although nobody. There's some churches that don't like instruments. Yeah. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But let's go to uh, Sydney. Can you just read Psalm four one, which is actually just the which includes the title, uh, not the title in your like ESV or NASB Bible, but the title to this, that the psalmist puts in. I know you know what I'm talking about, just to clarify for everybody else. Psalm 4.1. The choir master was stringed instruments. Stringed instruments. The All right. Psalm. Yeah. What about uh, 5.1? With the flutes. All right, so these are specific psalms written, songs written for stringed instruments, for flutes. Right, what about, uh, it might be Psalm 149. Uh, Sam, can you grab 149.3 and 153 since they're right next to each other? Well, the bonus note, you read, you read, the, read the frog 
Yeah, and then uh, you know, setting up the worship for the for the tabernacle, even in uh, Exodus, there's a lot of mandates for which which instruments to use. Yeah, tambourines. Which, by the way, I was reading this earlier. We should get the tambourine back on uh, on Thursdays. Where's it at? Good. We should bring it on Thursdays and have someone give it to somebody with some rhythm. Yeah. Thursday. All right. So, what about uh, Psalm one fifty, verse three? Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Yeah. So obviously, uh, the Lord enjoys uh, musical instruments. It comes out of the beauty of the Lord, that he is the source of all beauty, and this is art and music, right? And he wants it to sound lovely, right? So why does, you guys mentioned that, like, there's, uh, it'd be the, what's called uh, the Church of God, non-instrumental, right? That believes that you should not, and it is wrong action, it is actually forbidden to worship God with instruments. So that's why do they... Is yeah, yeah, that's so that's like their major, you know, whenever, like if you see a free will Baptist church, you know that they're Arminian Baptist church. They do not hold to the Baptist confession of 1689 or whatever it is. Uh, you know that they are Arminian Baptist, right? That, and that's their major doctrine that they're going to put it in their title. We are Grace Christian Fellowship, you know, and our title, our first and foremost uh, tagline is uh, acceptance as you are, empowerment to grow. That's our, that's a definition of grace, right? Grace is our big doctrine, you know, one of ours, enough that we put it in the title, right? So Church of God, or is it Church of God or Church of Christ? I think it's Church of Christ, non-instrumental. Their big shtick is you can't use instruments to worship God. <laughs> so, Daniel, why do they believe that? Uh, uh, because there's no mention of worship with instruments in the New Testament. Okay, so why does that matter? Why does it's all over the Old because Testament? Because apparently they're they're dispensationalists and believe there's different. The Old Covenant is totally separate from the New Covenant, is what they believe. Yeah. So what's the what's the clear uh, fallacy there in their ways of thinking? That the covenant is. Continuous. That yeah, they would believe that the covenant isn't continuous, and yeah. the new covenant isn't in an extension yeah. or renewing of the old covenant to make it better, better. right? Mm-hmm. That we have a better covenant. Uh, anything else? Like it's pretty easy to the, to defeat church and history. see church history, but how most churches would think is that everyone else is wrong and we're right. Yeah. What does that matter? Like, especially, like, you know, like, the really old ones. Seriously? It's not always. Yeah, it's not always. It's any other denomination. It usually draws older people or people who have been birthed into it because mm-hmm. young people like instruments. <laughs> they like good music. Check, check, check out what I found on a piece of Google search. And I'm clicking on it. It says, Jewish prayer relies heavily on music. Dating back to at least to the times of the first temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. So what else with the whole... You can't use instruments because it's not said directly in the New Testament. That would rule out a lot of things we do, like teaching the Trinity. Or 
because it doesn't say didactically or right. Sunday school wasn't a teaching in the New Testament, but we still use it. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we do that aren't didactically stated in the New Testament, but it's pretty clear, uh, you know, through covenantal theology that we are, through scripture, that we are the new Israel, that we follow the covenant, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still enjoys worship with musical instruments, <laughs> right? All right. Um, this goes away. I should have put clapping and dancing right next to each other because if you can't clap, you probably can't dance. Uh, or if you, if you can't clap, then you probably have no hope of dancing well. If you can't clap well. But you could grow by the grace of God. So, uh, also, I'll, this is just a side note. Uh, this is like, this is somewhat joking and jesting, but this is also serious. Uh, if you know you're one of those people that claps off beat regularly, uh, you know, I would not come to a worship meeting playing the guitar, right, without practicing. I'm serious. I would not. I could play very, like, I'd play a couple chords. I could probably, within a month, maybe get back to playing, like, one worship song or something. Uh, but I would not come to a worship meeting, even if I was in the background playing like the guitar in the back without practicing and, and being well, you should practice the same thing with clapping. So you should be, practice the same thing when you're worshiping in your room by yourself with shouting so and with kneeling. practicing clapping in our room. On beat. I should get a mushroom. Yeah. So, like, you know, it sounds funny, but like actually uh, that might be good. That'll actually help you. Um, so, dancing. Who likes to dance? Who doesn't like to dance? If you don't like to dance, then you might like to not like to raise your hand. Kenny doesn't like to dance. So I said, if you don't like dancing, you might not like to raise your hand either. But, uh, but uh, just because when usually when you're dancing, like you're out there in the open and people see you. Uh, so that's you know part of. You know, why people don't raise their hands during worship is because people will look at you and they might think you have a question or something. So, uh, where are we at? Uh, John Luke, can you read First Chronicles fifteen twenty nine? We'll read all of these, and then John Luke, can you just grab all those Psalms one forty three, one forty nine, one fifty? Uh, yeah, and then I'm sorry, Sam Sam Chinpoon, can you grab all three of those Psalms? I think we had actually already read this one with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, David was dancing in public worship, right? Wasn't he doing Not. Not. I don't think in this instance. There was another instance. Yeah, because this was like when the ark. This was like when the ark of the covenant came in. This is like a, a triumphant procession. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna bring this. I was gonna not bring this up, but since we're talking about it, like, so, what the other time that she despised him uh, for his worship, it was uh, privately in the company of their own bedroom, presumably, and he was dancing just with no clothes on, <laughs> right? Which is not appropriate for public worship. 
in case you didn't know, like in case you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, that is not appropriate for public Just worship. With your wife. But what, uh, uh, but what, what David was doing, he was naked and unashamed in the presence of the Lord and worshiping. That's just another allusion back to the, to the garden, right? What you do in your own home, I don't want to know about. You don't need to t- <laughs> Just make sure it aligns, aligns with the scriptures. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Sam. Yeah, a lot of this, uh, huh, maybe I just had the wrong one. A lot of them, what I was looking at, because the ESV got updated within the last five years, they've got a newer ESV translation, and some of them, like, you know, uh, make a joyful noise is shout to the Lord. But that was, I might have just had the wrong one on there. Let's go to 149.3. Praise his name with dancing. How does it not make any sense? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. All right, 150, verse 4. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Yeah. So we don't do a whole lot of dancing. Uh, I try to maybe, I sometimes get into some two-step. But that's about all I can do. I don't think, uh, you know, in corporate worship, I don't, I don't think the Dougie is probably what we're looking for. Uh, teach them how to praise. Teach them how to praise. Yeah. So, you know, that's why we have, you know, so there's like, you know, spontaneous, you know, we didn't make a, uh, we didn't kind of set the precedent in like, you know, some of this is, if you look at the First Chronicles 13, where they're spontaneously praising the Lord, it's much different from the First Chronicles 15, uh, the 13 verses 15, is the 13 is more spontaneous but it has all the same elements of First Chronicles 15 where it's orchestrated and organized and they're still doing all the same things. They're still dan- dancing and shouting, uh, but it's more of like a, a service, a, a procession, right? It's not, it's not spontaneous at all, actually. Um, that's why we have like, you know, uh, in more Pentecostal uh, churches have like, you know, praise or uh, dance, you know, dancers. Whatever. What's it's probably a more official dance name? Team. Dance team. What is it? Not interpretive dance, but you know they have. Yeah, praise dancers, like actually part of, you know, the worship service. That'd be awesome. I don't know if I'd want to. I'd take me a lot of practice, you know. But some of you might. Like that's totally. Have you ever been to a church that uses flags? Yeah. 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 I think that's awesome. So you know that should cause you to like. Like when you praise the Lord, you know, with all these things, we're talking about like how the kingdom of God is made visible and manifest. Like when you come into the presence of the Lord, like you're filled with his, his joy or conviction or, you know, when you want to praise him, it should manifest itself. Uh, I don't know if you could, you can't do all of these, right? You can't, uh, you can't kneel and dance. You can't exactly clap and play musical instruments. Uh, you can't, you know... Always sing and do one other thing, right? Yeah. So uh, you, you can't always lift your hands and play a stringed instrument. <laughs> I've seen it, but, but you know. Uh, but like you know, when you're filled with the presence of the Lord and you, like His praise, like like requires 
you know, an anti-pietistic view that it has to become incarnate and you should be looking to make it more incarnate, right? To bear more fruit. Uh, you know, work on your dance skills. So you can, you can, everybody could like shout loud. So, uh, you know, I thought of at least three things that uh, in the last five minutes, man, we need to do like two hours. I don't even know why we stop at 8.30. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, at least like, you know, at least three things that I thought of, at least head of why we don't worship biblically, why we don't do these things. Mm-hmm. We all know like to some degree before we came here that these were like biblical models of worship and what the Lord uh, wants and desires and requires in worship and that if we're in the presence of the Lord, these things should manifest themselves, Right? We all knew that to some degree. Now we all do know it. So uh, does that mean instantly on Thursday during our time of worship that everyone's going to be dancing? Everyone's going to be shouting, Hosanna, praise the Lord. Great is his work in all the earth. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, we, I hope that we walk in that a little bit more. Uh, you know, it doesn't say anything about punching, but sometimes I feel like punching things during worship. I that manifests it. Yeah, that's good stuff. People should be getting hurt in worship. <laughs> people are getting hurt. So you're going to have to sign uh, your uh, worship waiver. <laughs> so, uh, you know, actually, uh, you know, like it's kind of... Uh, part of it is like, you know, the group you're around is... There's a couple, uh, you know... I've been, like, I, I kind of like metal music. And one of it is because it, like, has emotion... And if you can find some like Christian, non-angry, demonic, demonically spirit-influenced, which I found maybe two bands, uh, and been to their concerts, and uh, the one band just did their farewell tour, and I didn't get to see it. And but it was like those people really—that was like more biblical forms of worship at those concerts than I think we see in most churches. They were dancing, they were lifting their hands. You know, there's a mosh pit, but. Uh, that's probably not exactly what we're going after here, but like people were getting excited. They were like really, really excited. If you're not really, really excited when we worship, then something's wrong. Uh, so let's examine, you know, I think the first one is the fear of man. Um, so, uh, let's just read that numbers 14, seven through nine, wherever we're at. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. He says, do not fear once, do not rebel. And you know, this is the context of the spies spying out uh, the promised land in Canaan and coming into it and saying it's very prosperous and the Lord's going to give it to him and the defenses are down. Was it the first time or the second time? Uh, the first time, I think. Uh, the first time the other spies said they were what? Well, they were false spies. They were lying. Yeah. They weren't. Right. Uh, so you still got it. Read the next verse. Does anybody know what happens next? I just find this one. You know, John? Pretty much God's attacking from the land. Well, no. What happens to these two people? They become the leaders, don't they? They get get stoned. Right? They stone them. So the people were totally scared. They said, we're going to reject this. Uh, They're telling us that the land is fruitful. The Lord's ready to bring us into it. Their defenses are down. Let's go get it. We're in the desert. We're ready to cross. 
And they're like, well, let's stone those guys. <laughs> that was their, they were totally filled with fear and rejected God, right? It says, do not fear and do not reject the Lord. Do not disobey him, right? So these are all like, clap your hands, all you people. That's not like a optional. It's not, singing to the Lord is not optional in scripture. Uh, shouting, lifting hands, all these things are not actually uh, optional. None of them says, you know, if you feel like it. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, the first thing we come up against is fear of man. Most people don't want to do this. Like, I could sit here and raise my hands, uh, you know, and have no fear of you guys judging me. Uh, I don't know why you would. It might be a little weird, but I don't really care what you guys think. But it's a little bit harder for some reason in worship, isn't it? Like, when we're worshiping, we're like, for some reason we think that, like, oh, like, nobody's... You're like looking around, like, is anybody else raising their hands? Uh, you know, and that's just doing this. Like, how stupid is that to be afraid? Like, I don't want to honor the Lord. I don't want to obey him. I don't want to walk in biblical patterns of worship and doing this uh, because someone might think I'm weird, even though we all raise our hands in worship. <laughs> so we'll, like, do this. Like, we'll have our little cup here. <laughs> Like, this is what I got for you, Lord. I got my, I got my soup bowl. Or we'll, like, do this or something. But, you know, like, but I don't think that's, you know, uh, what the Lord is desiring. Like, for, like, simple fear of man to stop us. And that's the, like, raising hands is the easy one, right? We could all, like, you know, raise our hands. We all saw it earlier. Uh, clapping is another easy one. Like, shouting, exclamations. Like, that's a little bit harder because then... You know, there's a little bit more fear, man, because I'm a bad singer. I know I am. You don't have to tell me. I've already come to that reality, and I'm probably not going to get any better. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my you time trying. You're not going to practice it. I'm going to practice singing, but I might try to. Might try. Good point, Daniel. <laughs> Good point. I'm going to practice, but I doubt I'm going to get better. Uh, By God's will, you will. So, you know, but you know, singing loudly like the lord is requiring and desiring uh is a little bit different in a corporate setting where other people can hear me and think i'm weird and know i'm a bad singer and they might say something or i might say the wrong words or something right uh That's the worst. but like what's your what's your fear that the people that we live in community with that we live next door to that we see each other three or four times a week that i that we confess our sins to might think i'm a bad singer and they already know like that's, like, that's how ridiculous our fear of man and how deep it goes. And, like, what we're actually doing is disobeying and rejecting the Lord and not wanting to walk more into his presence and honor and give him the glory to his name. And we want to submit to the fear of man. That's the most ridiculous thing, and we all have to fight that. Uh, we all deal with that, and we all have that to some degree, and we all have to fight it. Right? Sometimes uh, in smaller meetings... I do this more notably with like, you know, people I'm more comfortable with, I guess, if it's like a small RCF. Sometimes I'll actually sing louder because I know I'm a bad singer. And hopefully the people who are singing well are like, man, I really feel bad for him. I'm going <laughs> to sing a little bit louder so that we don't have to listen That's to totally it. what I do. Is it? <laughs> so, you know, the fear of man, like it, it runs super deep. Uh, you have to be aware of it. And you have to fight it. You have to like walk 
and obedience and trust in the Lord and uh, and he'll actually bless you through it. So, uh, low theologies. Um, so Luke 7.47, you know, uh, Jesus is partying at the Pharisee's house, a uh, Pharisee named Philip or Peter, can't remember. Uh, and there's a prostitute washing his feet with, with her tears and her hair. And, you know, they... Uh, condemn her and Jesus and says if you know who this woman was or what type of woman she was you wouldn't even let her touch you and Jesus is one of his responses whoever has been forgiven much loves much and I love using that because you know one of our low theologies is uh, you know why we examine like what is the glory do his name in Psalm 29 1 uh, what does it mean to magnify the Lord is to see him more rightly is to see him in his, his true sense of how he really is and his real characteristics and his real attributes uh, and to see him more rightly and in reality. Like, I don't know if we'll ever, ever do that while we're living. I don't know. I think part of our sin nature and you know, the Lord's progressively opening up our eyes from blindness, but uh, you know, if we really get a... like I think it's a twofold thing. Uh, if you look at... Uh, psalm 117 is the shortest psalm in all of scripture it's all about the lord's covenant faithfulness and it's kind of ironic like uh how how long is the lord faithful forever Forever. that's what you would assume but the bible says anyways his faithfulness is never ending it endures forever like oh well he's god of course his faithfulness would go forever but let's just say it anyways (laughs) right like he's god how could he not be faithful forever uh you know, so that's probably a pretty important thing, uh, you know, and as you realize that and come into a deeper sense in reality, you see how unfaithful you are. So, you know, part of like whoever loves much or has been forgiven much loves much. Uh, I, I would think, you know, from everything we've read about worship, whoever loves much praises much, right? The prostitute uh, was worshiping at his feet and with her tears and washing Jesus' feet with her hair. That's, I think she had a little bit, you know, deeper sense of what has she been forgiven from. And, and thus, the deeper we see God's, or the more we magnify the Lord, right, we see how glorious and awesome and righteous and faithful and just and true and sovereign he is. We see how low we are, <laughs> how sinful, how depraved, how dead, how lifeless, our inability how much we need him. So, uh, you know, I think people, one of the things that we're combating is, you know, low theologies. Uh, you know, that Psalm 34 is all about, like, magnifying and blessing the Lord. You know, if you don't have a right view, because that goes back to the first thing we talked about, the object, the attitude, and the action, like, your object is wrong. If you get the object wrong, then, of course, your attitude and your action is going to be wrong. And then the more we get to the right object, seeing God as he truly is, the more, like, we'll actually walk in these things, you know, as far as, like, you know, why would I, why would I, like, even, like, have a spontaneous, like, thing to, like, want to do this and praise my hands and worship if I don't have, like, a deep sense and revelation of who God is and how awesome he is? It's like, my arms naturally just hang here. (laughs) I got to do something to put them up here, right? Uh... You know, to get excited about something, to realize the depths of it, you would have to, like, 
you you would get loud, right? If you're excited about something, or like sometimes I'm just like, you know, trying to like I want to shake people and wake them up, and you know I'm super like excited, and uh, you know I just want to do something and move, like the same thing like while we're worshiping, right? So uh, I think low theologies is a is a huge one, you know, with fear of man, and then the spirit of our age. Uh, namely apathy and relativism. Relativism. Uh, so where are we at? Uh, Jonathan, did you read last? Uh, Jane, let's read that First Chronicles 13, 1 through 4. Yeah. So who did David consult and how did it seem right to him? The elders, the people, right? And he asked the collective society of people, does this seem good? Yeah. That's what relativism is. <laughs> hey, you guys, uh, what's our standard for worship? Whatever we experience, right? There's no need to push it further because we are the standard, right? There's no need to worship God deeper because it seems good. We're doing better than our neighbor church. So. Yeah, we're doing, doing better than that other we're doing better than that dry church down the road yeah. or something, right? But that's not, like, never uh, in Scripture are we called to compare ourselves to one another but to look back in Scripture, right? So that's David's huge mistake is he never once consulted God or the Scriptures of how he should worship and get the ark. Good one, David. Right? But that's what we all do. Our standard is whatever, like, you know, like what's the most... What's the most exciting worship I've ever experienced? Well, that was like, you know, a Hillsong concert or something. You know, the presence of the Lord was thick. But is that what the standard is? Because you've experienced it? No. It's not that close to being biblical. <laughs> Probably not. Got the errors to grow. So then jump to 1513. Yeah, according to his rules or his ordinances. So it actually doesn't say in the, the two chapters that David consults the scriptures, but he's clearly starting to, he says there that because we didn't carry it according to the rule of the ordinances, that he's consulted God and the scriptures and how to carry the ark, and he starts implementing things that he's read, right? And then it's acceptable to the Lord. Then he, the Lord stops striking people down. Uh, that touched the ark inappropriately. So, uh, you know, the spirit of our age, you know, first relativism uh, of like, if you're not seeking biblically to deeper your worship and experience in the presence of God, like you're way off in the first place, and that's a really, really bad place to be. <laughs> we all, but that's the spirit of the age that's put it on you, and in every form, and, you know, worship is just one area to examine, um, and that of like, you know, your experience doesn't dictate reality or the way it should be or what God enjoys or doesn't enjoy. It's not based on what you've experienced in your life and what you like or dislike, right? Uh, you know, I actually have heard people say, well, I'm not going to raise my hands because that's, I don't enjoy it. Well, <laughs> uh, that's okay if you don't enjoy it. That's probably, that might be a problem, but God enjoys it, <laughs> right? Uh it was funny when, uh, uh, this is a little off topic, but, uh, you know, when I was going through the studies on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
I was reading John Cheryl's They Speak in Other Tongues, and my mom, I had the book, and my mom actually asked me, like, are you going to become one of those, like, crazy tongue speakers? And I said, I don't know. Like, we'll find out. Like, because I was, like, researching if it's biblical or not. <laughs> like, if it's biblical, then I am. I'm going to be a crazy tongue speaker. <laughs> and I did. Amen. Probably a little bit still just you're as crazy. crazy. Just, now you're just speaking tongues, too. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then for our age, the kind of spirit of our age is, is apathy. You know, which is this conjunction with relativism is, well, I don't care, so why do, like, I'm not going to raise my hands, not because I don't see anyone else doing it, because I don't feel it, yeah. or I don't really care. Like, uh, you know, it comes back to, like, if you don't enjoy worshiping, that's a huge problem. Like, something is wrong. <laughs> like, and seek to find it out. Get, get a hold of somebody who is mature in Christ, who loves worshiping, uh, you know, that would, that would be like a major problem, like in your Christian walk, holding you back from everything or from a lot of things. Um, you know, there's, we could, I uh, would have loved to take this Bible study and like, you know, in a lot of these uh, examples that we used in worship, it's like overcoming a battle or a victory and the Lord goes before you in the worship and sends out the worshipers first to win the victory. Uh, and he does that for a reason. So, you know, we have like, uh, spirit about our age and especially us younger people in the millennial generation that's like uh, I don't care whatever not a big deal apathetic uh, who have like no like fight in them for anything not just worship but for anything like I can't keep myself awake during church I can't you know make myself run one mile I can't you know force myself to do something because I don't want to do it I can't force myself to keep a job <laughs> or whatever, right? Uh, because they've got like no deepness, no spirit about them that like no wants grit. to overcome. No, what's that? No grit. Yeah, no grit. That's a good one. Um, and like even doing, like even the wanting to not be apathetic because like runs deep, you know, or the desire or whatever. So, uh, and you, we have to fight that. Right. So what's the solution? So the partial solution, we're just going to look at um, two things. Where are we at? Who, who read last? Jonathan? Jane? Abigail. Read uh, Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.19. And I promise we'll be done in five minutes. Okay. So don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what are... Uh, what's the correlation between those two verses? Yeah, so that's the first correlation. They have similar outworkings, but a different... The correlation yeah. is that There's... singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs fills you with the Spirit. Well, uh, not necessarily. Those are outcomes. So same, both are... They look hold the on. same. So first there's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs mandated uh, to, to sing them, right? So, uh, so we know the psalms. We can sing the psalms. We know hymns, which are just like uh, scriptural other songs. And then spiritual songs are just uh, kind of like off the cusp, like hallelujah, praise the Lord, your name is great. You know, when we say sing a new song or anything that's, you know, maybe not as structured, right? That's a kind of a spirit-led kind of a spiritual song. 
So what's the motivation for psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in the Colossians 3.16? Let the let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So be filled with the word. Some of us, like you know, Andy made a really good point on Sunday. Um, he said he could know he knows from Friday night fellowship during the prayer time who's reading the Bible and who's not. And these are Andy's words because he said the people who say you know just or Lord every fifth word are those people that probably aren't in the word very much, don't have any real depth of knowledge of who God is or scripture. That's raw. That's raw. <laughs> That's Andy. Go take that up with Andy. <laughs> but I would say the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you could tell who's like really deep in the word and who has like a deep sense of letting the words of Christ dwell richly not just like I know people who know a lot of information right but then you can also tell in worship who actually lets the words dwell richly because they're actually walking out this fruit they don't let if the words of Christ dwell in you richly you're going to be less affected by fear of man and less affected by apathy and you're going to want to give the Lord the glory to his name and you're going to shout or lift your hands or do something you're going to be filled with like the words of Christ are bubbling up in you and you just, oh, I just have to like raise my hands. <laughs> or, you know, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, maybe it was Sunday night or something. I don't know why I was all fired up, but I was like, I was praying and like folding laundry and I was like slamming my drawer shut to my dresser because I was so like, you know, like the Lord was doing something in me and I was praying for people and I was just like kind of mad. And kind of like, you know, there's something in me that I was like, this has to change, Lord. You have to do something. If you don't intervene, we're dead. <laughs> do something, Lord. We're crying out to you, right? So I'm like, Lord, please, please help us. Uh, remind me to, uh, I'm going to come back to the, so, so that's Colossians. Let the words, words of Christ dwell on you richly, right? That's the first thing uh, I think is the partial solution. There's the whole solution, like I said in the beginning, is like, Continue to crucify your flesh daily. Live not in the flesh. Obey the Lord. Submit to him in all things. And live a life led by the word and the spirit. <laughs> right? That's the total solution summed up. So in Ephesians 5.19, you get to psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs by... Josiah, I know you know this one. <laughs> so, because uh, it's don't be filled with wine, <laughs> for that's debauchery. Be filled with... The spirit. the spirit, right? So, uh, you know, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with wine. <laughs> be filled with the Spirit, right? Don't be filled with wine. Bring it down a notch. Uh, but be filled to the brim with the Spirit, right? That's cool. So, yeah, like, you know... Uh, you know, I hope people come prepared on Thursdays and Fridays and Sundays to worship meetings. Like, this is a time when we're corporately gathering together, you know, on Fridays to petition and worship, and Thursdays just to worship, and Sundays, especially Sundays, that we join in unison on the Lord's Day across the world with other believers, you know, just as 
as John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day with the other believers on, on uh, Patmos. I was going to say Pontius, but I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Sorry, with a P. Uh, you know, you should be preparing. You should be getting in the Spirit. You should not, on Saturday nights, you should not be, <laughs> you should not be filled with wine. <laughs> right? You should be filled with the Spirit and being starting to prepare for that corporate gathering. Mm-hmm. Right? But uh, more often than not, most of us might be filled with <laughs> with wine on Saturdays than, than the Spirit. So, you know, I think there's, so what are the two outcomes for psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Filled with the Word and filled with the Spirit. That's, I think, the first step, uh, you know, to having this fruit and it, like, actually convicting you to change. Um, and then since I'm at 10, Psalm 103, I think gives us the other partial solution uh, one through five, I'll read it. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems, all, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then Psalm 104, verses 102, and then 35 Say, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. And then 34, I'm sorry, 35. uh, You know, that's how it starts, and this is how it ends. Think of a, if you know what a chiastic structure, hamburger buns, beginning and end. Uh, Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So part of the solution is if you don't, if, you know, what, if our uh, praise and worship isn't looking biblical, you know, past getting filled with the words of Christ and getting filled with the Spirit is having, like, this is like anti-apathy. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Like, like, do something in me, like my soul's going to praise the Lord and do it, regardless, I'm going to make me praise the Lord until I have the right attitude, until I have the right actions, and I'm going to get angry and pissed off, I'm going to do whatever it takes to see that the Lord's name is glorified and honored. Wasn't that the connotation in these verses that, like, he didn't feel like praising it, he was, like, showing himself, like, bless the Lord, oh my soul? Yeah, I think that's why he has to say, oh my soul, because he's, he's saying that to myself, himself. Right, so he's not saying bless the Lord, all you peoples. He's saying my soul. Right, uh, you know I don't think I've had you know I've gone periods of time where I've like haven't felt the presence of the Lord, been dry, felt distant, and um, luckily the Lord's done you know enough to me to know that like uh, you know think of I can't remember where it is in Genesis where Jacob wrestled with the Lord all night and says, I'm not leaving until you bless me. Uh, Like, if this is you, if you're apathetic, if you're, like, if you don't have the spirit within you, with which all of us fight against that in our culture, to, like, see the Lord's name praised and glorified and you don't have, like, that thing in your spirit that's like, oh, the Lord just needs to be praised and I need to see him praised. And if you don't get angry and you're zealous about it, then you should probably do something like, you know, just sit down and have a time where you're not going to be late for work or uh, you're not going to be late for a meeting or something that's going to 
consequences. You know, the more, biggest consequence might be like losing a whole night's of sleep or something. And say, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm not leaving until the Lord blesses me. Like that was one of the, you know, I'm going to credit Nathan Hager for this. Uh, you can talk to him about it. But he gave me a challenge while he was discipling me. He said, you know, uh, he talked to me about, you know, wrestling with the Lord and not leaving until the Lord blesses you, until you experience his presence, until you go deeper with him. He said, you know, I challenge you to see if you can even make 10 days of don't do anything, don't watch any TV, don't, don't dilly-dally, don't mess around. Uh, you know, all you're going to do is, you know, go to your room, go to work, go home, lock yourself in your room, read your Bible, pray, and worship. And, uh, you know, because if you don't ever do that, if you don't ever get to a point to where you're zealous for the Lord, then you have to cry out because you're, you're closer to being lost than knowing the Lord uh, if you don't have anything within you. And I probably made it like four days or something. And like every time I've ever done that, or you know, I remember when I lived and bunked with Anvesh, I would do this a little bit more regularly, you know, in times of like feeling dry or distant from the Lord, like saying, Lord, Lord I'm not leaving. I'm not getting up from the ground. I'm not going to stop praising you until you meet me here, until you come, until your presence is thick, until I'm washed out by your spirit, until I know you deeper, until I want to give you praises, until I sense your presence. I'm not leaving. And I don't care if it takes all night. I don't care. You know, the only thing that's going to hold me up is, like, work tomorrow. And if I don't sense your presence and you don't meet me, then I'll be here again after work. And that's what it's going to take. So... I, I like talked. He has the, this. Uh, for some reason, it was ten days, but Nathan got to like day six. He got farther than me. Uh, <laughs> but you know, in his experience, I remember Nathan t- telling me that no one's got. He doesn't know anyone that got to day ten, <laughs> because the Lord will meet you. He will bless you. you if you wrestle with Him. He'll meet you, and you know, just to give. Uh, you know, if anyone else has kind of a testimony on that line, feel free to you know, step in and give your testimony. But I remember being so distant from the Lord and uh, certain songs bring up, you know, different things. Uh, but I was really crying out, you know, like wishing that the Lord would meet me. And because uh, I've had a lot of times, if you're like me, you experience dryness a lot of times uh, and you want to get back to the presence of the Lord. And I remember walking down from, I was doing something at Greg's house and walking back to Sydney's house. And I was just singing that song, like, Light a Fire in My Soul. Uh, that I can't control all I want is you God all I want is you and like by the time I got back to like halfway to Sydney's house I was like walking and during the night in East Dayton like crying <laughs> like weeping you know and luckily like nobody no thug saw me and thought less of me or something <laughs> 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 or whatever I had a moment recently where uh, I was kind of just going through something that like I was keeping yeah, if you don't ever cry during worship, then something might be wrong. You might want to examine it. Uh, <laughs> you should have titled this. If this doesn't happen, something might be wrong. Right. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> I'm talking about you. All right. Uh, so we only went 29 minutes over. Uh, so somebody pray, close us out, and go humble yourselves and seek the Lord. <laughs>